In celebration of one year of podcasting, we are holding a giveaway of epic proportions. Everything you need to get started running games. Four dice trays, 12 complete sets of dice, four crown royal bags, the D&D Essentials Kit, the D&D Starter Kit, Horde of the Dragon Queen D&D Adventure, the Young Adventurers Collection, Nerd Archives, Out of the Box Encounters, Brass and Steel Steampunk Tabletop RPG, OSR Greats, The Rat Hack, Into the Odd, and White Box Fantastic Medieval Adventure Game. But that's not all. The Curse of Strahd Revamped is included as well. This complete list goes to one lucky winner in the U.S. Here's how to enter. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and leave a review. Leave a comment as well. Then, go to our Facebook page and like it. Finally, stop by our webpage, thedungeonmastersdojo.com forward slash about, and leave us a message. Once we hit 500 on each, we will draw a winner. You must do all three to qualify. We'll see you next time in the dojo. Hey, Bill. All ready for the game. Here's cool. my character's backstory. All right, let me give this a quick read through. Your village was attacked by cultists. Uh-huh. Snake worshippers? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Wheel of pain. Uh, big muscles. Big oiled muscles. James Earl Jones. The one and only. That's Conan's backstory. It's developing character backstory this week on Dungeon Master's Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Dojo podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host. Louis Aponte, and these are their Dungeon Masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. How are you? Not too bad. And and we have Matt Fillion again with us. The one and only. Yeah. Hi, Matt. How you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Had a blast last time. So it was a good to time. Be, uh, join you again. We actually we got to we got to roll some dice with Matt a couple times yes, since we, we last talked to him. So that was uh that was fun. We uh, that was a, a brutal campaign, wasn't a, it? A near uh, <laughs> TPK a... at the hands of uh, Dave. Yeah, um, but it was uh it was it was still a good time. So mm-hmm. you guys don't know Matt. Matt is the author of a couple fantastic series of young adult books uh one of my personal favorites is the uh dungeon crawler series um you can imagine what that's about um the indestructibles which kind of like spawned the whole uh fillion verse right that's what yep. I, that's what <laughs> i call it at home and we're, we're, yeah, we're the, coining the, the phrase the readers calls 
uh, we had a, one of the one of my readers named it the Indestructiverse, which is a little less self-aggrandizing. So that's what I call it in my own head. Now that they uh, somebody else named it, I'm like, okay, I'm stealing that for future reference. They they called it. They started calling it the Indestructiverse. I'm like, yeah, that's a little less self-aggrandizing than my, than using my own name. <laughs> so. And uh, Echo in the Sea, which I, I have right. a young lady at home who's very fond of that, and she was uh, she was super pumped when she saw the little autograph sentiment that you left in those books. So she was, she was jazzed. Yeah. That was awesome. I'm glad you liked them. Yeah. My daughter was the same with indestructibles. Yeah. Yeah. Friends for life. Yeah. Yep. And good books. So if <laughs> awesome. you want them, you can get them all at MatthewFillion.com. And we're going to put a link in the description uh, below, I guess. Can yeah. you say that on yeah. a podcast? Does that count? Like the the news or whatever you want to say. Yeah. We're going to leave a link in the description below to MatthewFillion.com, your source for the Fillion-verse books. That's that what we're going with. I'll aggrandize the heck out of you. Oh, yeah, heck I mean, yeah. Like... No, you, you, you can aggrandize me all you want. I just I, I have to pretend I have uh, some self-control. That's right. Matt Fillion, personal friend of the DMD. <laughs> And as you probably would have guessed, if you don't already know Matt, Matt is an author. He writes books. Very good books. Very good books. So when we were going to, we were bouncing this idea back and forth of doing an episode on character backstories, um, we, the first thing we thought of was, well, let's, let's call Matt and see if he'll come on since he's an author and that's what he does for work. And he's probably really good at it because people buy his stuff. Yeah. The best I can go up with was, was like a three and a half minute quick tip. And I was, yeah. I was spent. Well, yeah, you, uh, you saw, you saw what I came up with. Right. So, uh, Matt's our guy. And, and conveniently enough, Matt is not only a player, but a DM. So the perfect storm. Yeah. Uh, it's actually, you caught me at a very funny time because I'm, uh, not only do, am I currently working on a book that is all backstory, it's a it's a prequel, so it, it is delving into the backstory of one of the characters from the Indestructibles. But I also just had one of my idea for three different groups, um, and the rookies who were very new, and I just wanted them to learn the mechanics first. They must have had a conversation when I wasn't there, <laughs> because all of a sudden all the backstories showed up all at once at level eight. So I was like. Whoa! <laughs> what <am> I <laughs> so I have been thinking a lot about backstory lately, and so you caught me at the perfect time. Like all backstories on my at top of mind right now for uh, for multiple reasons. So perfect. So with that said, how important is a character's backstory? Um, in terms of, I suppose it's different for if you're writing for yourself or for you know for an audience or if you're at the table. Um, I, I uh when I'm creating backstories on my own, I actually like to, I give myself enough to work with, but not enough to trap myself, which I actually like as a DM too. Like give me enough to work with, but don't sort of lock me in. Cause um, uh, the last thing you want to do is sort of like paint yourself into a corner with your backstories for characters so that you can't, um, you're sort of stuck on a path that you can't deviate from. You need to leave room for improv. So um, and that's where I work from when I'm creating fictional characters uh you know i i i hint at things right i kind of have an, an idea but i don't i don't have to necessarily write the encyclopedia version um and when i'm working with players i love when they just give me something you know give, give me something that i can weave into this world for you to make it yours too um 
so but i also get if, if it gets over a certain length i'm like oh no oh no you know it's, it's too, too much i that now i now i know i'm gonna get overwhelmed so i actually like to have um i enough uh, what do you want to call it? like enough uh, enough steak to sizzle but not not to to overeat on you know like uh um uh give give the give the dm some backstory to play with but uh um don't stress out too much about it i yeah, think we, you know? we, we gave our um, group we gave our group a 21 page cap no one's ever reached fair. it <laughs> <laughs> a few have tried <laughs> um yeah it's uh it's I always, it's the whole idea of like, if a DM gives the players a 50 page uh, document on the, what the world is like, they're probably not going to read the whole thing. You can probably say the same thing about your DM too. I think is if you, if you give him more than he can digest in one sitting, it might be more information than he needs. Um, but also, you know, you don't want to trap yourself. I like uh, backstory is it's tough to work with characters with no backstory though. Like I, I'd, I'd actually, um, Unless it's intentional, like if you're doing the man with no name kind of thing, um, which can be fun. Like if you're really just leaning into that, having no backstory, then that's a choice. Um, but for um, uh, in terms of like sort of incorporating the characters into the world, you gotta have something. You know, there's gotta be something there. You know, tell me, tell me what, tell me what, maybe tell me a bit about yourself <laughs> you know, before we sit down and start rolling dice together. Is there a sweet spot? As far as length of a backstory goes for you as a DM. Um, you know, I, what I would actually say if someone had a lot in mind is give me a cheat sheet of a page. And, and if you want to add more, kind of give me like the extended, give me the director's cut after that, but give me something I can give it at a glance, even do like the first, do the first page in bullet points, you know, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Do you like your family? Do you hate your family? Um, what's important to you? What isn't? And then if you want to really dig into it, then um, much like much like a book, give me the give me the table of contents first, and then I can dive in um, after that. So I always ask for like, give me something I can look at, poof, like this, and then that'll get my brain going, so I can start figuring out where you fit in the world. Um, and then that actually also helps because I know a lot of players who have admitted like, oh, I actually I got to go back and reread my own backstory. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I, I forgot what I said to the GM. Um, and so it almost like the cheat sheet helps the player too. Like, what did I name my brother that we haven't talked about since this is the first session of the game and stuff um so i, I actually it's less about how, how much i tell them they want to have in total but I, I beg them for like just give me something i can like look at real quick just so i can kind of start formulating because then as a dm you're weaving everybody's backstories at the same time so you almost want to be able to do like um the charlie day board you know what i mean like just the <laughs> notes all over the screen Okay, this connects to here, and this connects to here, and and you want to be able to do that at a glance. Um, Use red yarn; yeah. it it stands out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, why don't you take us on a, on your process for developing a backstory? Um, sure. Um, I if I'm deal, uh, do, do you want me to do like writing characters or writing for games? Because I, I I have a slightly well, different let, process. Let, I'd say we'd stay with the games. You know, because we're we're, um, look, we're looking and, and and if you want to do it as from a player's perspective, sure. as opposed to a DM's perspective, I mean, whatever one works for you, or both. It's it's funny because um I've actually had multiple players um who had never played before DM for the first time this year, so I got to I got to jump on the other side of the table and be a character, and I'm like, and if you're the forever DM, all of a sudden you've got I have 87 characters ready <laughs> to go. You tell me when you want me to play. 
and tell me what class you're missing. Like, you don't even have to, like, you don't have a cleric, I get three of them. Like, just tell me what you need. Um, and I always, I usually start with, um, uh, a, I usually start with a face. Like, who is this character going to be? Like, like who is this right here? Like, uh, it's on a podcast, I just did the, I just wrote Cardinal Podcast Rule doing a hand gesture. You know, like, tell, <laughs> tell me the first, you know, the first thing that the other characters are going to see. Um, and then I start thinking about, um, why they're at the table to begin with you know are they what are they looking for and there doesn't necessarily have to be something it can be someone who doesn't have that isn't looking for something other than um just a, a change of pace they could be they could be the bartender um at the start of a uh, adventure that takes place in a tavern they don't need to have that kind of motivation but you know what 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 um what are they looking for what do they want what do they don't want um and uh and why are they, for me, the class part of it plays into it too. Like, why are they, why are they what they are? Um, and I think that, I think part of that is because I never get to play. So I'm like, why am I playing a monk right now? You know, what's my reason for playing a monk? Uh, why, what, 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 why is this character able to do what they can do? Um, and so that part kind of plays into it too, because it helps me kind of figure out why I'm playing what I'm playing. You know, like, is this somebody that grew up in a cloister? Is it someone who grew up in an academy? Um, is it some chucklehead who pick up, picked up a shovel and figured out he was really good at hitting people with it? Um, and so that's really where, where I start. And then being, having been the DM for so long and not wanting to, I want them to have the freedom to tell the story. I try to like ask them where I would fit in, you know, like where, where would somebody learn to be a wizard in your world? And if they don't know, I'm like, all right, let's talk about it. You know, let's, let's figure it out together. Um, uh, I, I like from the player's perspective. Tell, tell me what your world has and I will find something that fits in it. And, um, and as a DM, if someone asks to be something that I haven't figured out yet, like I want to play a dragonborn. Okay. I have no idea where dragonborn are in this world, but because you want to, I'm going to figure it out. And I like the, the, the back and forth rather than coming in and dro dropping a sheaf of papers and saying, I'm so-and-so the great, uh, I, you know, was trained by the finest wizards in such and such tower. Like, let's, let's talk. This, this is the concept that I want to play. I want to play a smart guy, you know, who is a spellcaster who has, wants to unlock the mysteries of, um, I don't know, time magic or something. But tell me how I can make that happen in your worlds so that our signals don't get crossed. Let's not cross the streams, you know? <laughs> um, and for when I, from the DM basis, when I want a backstory from someone, it's like, if, they, if there's something they really want to play in my world, I... I try not to build the world so static or so um, cemented in that I can't change things to fit who wants to be in it. Um, you know, I got I'm building a new campaign for, for another project coming up and uh, I want to be a fear world. Okay, cool. Um, let's figure out what field fear bogues are like in this world, you know, like, uh, um, you know, well, let's, let's build a culture together. Um, and if it's something that I haven't, that I've already addressed, I can tell them exactly how, it's been there. And most of the times I've developed that kind of backstory uh, content for, for players to play with, um, with other cat, with other players, because I had to use the same world setting. So it's like, I've been building this for a while and this comes from other, you know, this is, you know, how, how the drow work in this world or something like that. So um, I like the clap the I start with collaboration. Like, here's what I, here's what I kind of want to play. Here's what do you need for your world? And let's find somewhere in the middle where we can both have fun. It sounds a lot like you're a proponent of session zero. I, 
it's funny now that we're all talking about session zero i never knew that that's what it was called <laughs> you know like it's like just, maybe you should talk about the game called. before you play <laughs> i didn't know it was called session zero it was just our first get together oh yeah it's yeah. it's um it, let's just set up because the games where i haven't done one and a lot of times that's like a teaching game like where people have no idea how they're playing D. Like, I don't know, what do I do? Where I bring them their own dice. I'll actually buy like a $5 set of dice for the new players or whatever and bring it to the table. Like, that's where I wish I had a session zero with them so we could kind of talk more about it as opposed to like, here, let's bang out a quick character. I might even make the character for them because they're overwhelmed by the idea of skills and bonuses and stuff. <laughs> but if you have a session zero with somebody who knows just, just as much, just a little tiny bit about D&D, like just enough to know you're making a character, it exists in the world, and you get to do what you want to do to have fun like that's enough that you need to have that first conversation and then you sit down for an hour or 15 minutes or six hours and drink a lot and talk about the world and you know however you want to do it but yeah i love i love session zeros because it lets you it lets you hit the ground running when you actually start playing for real exactly so when you're when you're writing these these backstories do you add flaws to your characters or even if you're not writing the character backstories but your players are do you encourage flaws to be kind of like built into those characters oh yeah i um if i'm building characters i'd actually i don't think what's the flaw i just sort of automatic like it's autopilot for me like none of these characters are perfect what's what how is this guy screw up in what way because we all are in something we've all got that we've all got something that we we think we know what we're doing and we don't or i've never actually sat down and gone what's this guy's flaw i just sort of go oh i almost start with that you know how is this guy not perfect and then build out from there. And I'm lucky because my players tend to like suboptimal, goofy, flawed characters. So I don't have to encourage it too much with the people that I DM for. But if someone were to show up with like this, um, either a, a perfect, you know, perfect character that doesn't have any flaws or even one that's just sort of underdeveloped. Um, like if somebody shows up, um, a, new, a new player who's like, okay, I'm just a life cleric. You know, uh, I look like this. Like, okay, so what do they think they're bad at? Not even what they are bad at. What do they feel like they're bad at? Like, they're, or, in, or, you know, what do they do that bothers other people or something like that? And I think that helps it. It, it gives you a chance to put some meat on the bones of the character, too. And, and it ends up being, I, I, my, the players that I run with have the most fun when they lean into their flaws. Whether, whether it's whether they, they think they can win any fight that they walk into or whether they think they're smart and they're not or they think they're charming and they're not or um, they have daddy issues or whatever it might be. <laughs> um, I mean, really, there's, you know, they've got characters that can't, you know, they can't keep it in their pants. Whatever, whatever, the, whatever their flaw is, it leans in. Um, they all tend to have more fun leaning into that than leaning into what they're amazing at, which... Um, and I think, I think players can get kind of hooked on that too. Like they, Oh, I can do that. You know, I, I, I can, I don't, I'm not trying to, it's the whole idea of, you know, you, you don't, you don't win D and D by winning D and D you win D and D by having fun. Uh, and, and it's like, Oh, so I'm not trying to make an optimized, like perfect video game character. I'm trying to make a, like a movie. I'm, pl I'm playing a character in a movie that, or something or a TV show that, uh, you know, the, the, and, and if they're struggling, I'll actually point out to like, think about your favorite characters. You know, um, think about what the what the what their weaknesses were and why that made them more fun to watch. Um, and, and also think about the characters whose flaws you really couldn't stand. 
and like and how and if it made them unfun to watch maybe that's a bad flaw to roll with for 20 levels too you know so um you know it, 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 that, that too like figure out things that you've seen in flaws and other characters that were unenjoyable for you because you might not want to have to be stuck with that for you know 200 sessions or something yeah see i've done something similar to what you did i i picked a you know a disadvantage or a flaw and i've built my character around that and mm-hmm. i've had so much fun doing that and playing that character that you know it, it where it it it's glaring it's huge it's 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 the everything it's everything about that character is that flaw and then you have fun with it mm-hmm. and everyone yeah, had, everyone um, embraces that quite a bit just last night running a game we have a player who's he's playing a sorcerer who thinks he's a good brawler and the player is like i am not built to win a fight but i think i can and he actually challenged someone to a bare knuckle pit fight last night. And the player's like, I am going to get my ass kicked and this is going to be amazing. And he got his ass kicked. And it was <laughs> and, but he just, and it was that leaning into that thing. It's like, yeah. he, I am not, I am not built to do this. I think I can. And, and it happens multiple times. And, and he would have won if the other it, guy didn't cheat. Oh yeah. And that's the other thing too. And, 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 and justify in, in it. Particular case, yeah. Either, either you justify it or in his case, he says, yeah, um, he's doing some soul searching right now. Like it actually becomes a way for the character to develop to, 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 to develop and change too. Cause he was like, you know, after the second or third uh, beat down, you start, you start assessing yourself a little bit differently than you did before. <laughs> All right, so. Maybe I need to pick my fights a little better. All right. So, yeah, so let's uh, talk a little bit more about things not going right. How hmm. about conflict? How would you incorporate conflict with your characters? Oh, I think that's, uh, I want people to be comfortable with the conflict that they pick. Like, don't pick a conflict that's going to bother you while you're playing it. You know, you want something that you, you, you pick the conflict you can handle, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, as a player and as a character, sort of like pick a conflict that, uh, that will be fun to lean into instead of being frustrating. But it's, you kind of want to have some reason to, propel the character forward and whether that's not getting along with their um i've got a running joke with a couple of my players like you don't get experience from fighting each other <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't get xp for, for for stabbing your 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 teammates but it but it's all in, it's all in good fun but it, it's uh the, the conflict between each other conflict between the world especially with the world what what, what uh, it helps because um that helps with that whole why are you there part of the backstory too like um and and it helps challenge worldviews i had a character who and, and this is it's funny because talking about whether you talk to the dm about the world or not um had decided before showing up at the table my character hates orcs hate orcs like okay so but they're like a pivotal member of society they're like regular people in society in this particular setting like they're not actually like the other out there in the field like you might run into them at the grocery store and she stuck with it and it's been like and over the course of the campaign there's this conflict of like actual like dislike of the end and realizing that she might be wrong (laughs) and 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 letting it be not the player that comes to the collusion but the character um and it's been this great conflict for the character of like having almost like it's a fight with someone who doesn't know they did something wrong you know, like you've picked a conflict right. with someone who isn't actually aware of the conflict that you have with them. <laughs> um, 
and it gives it gives a great chance for the character to develop because that's kind of what we want over the course of all these levels and all this time that we spend with them. We spend what three hundred hours with the character. We want them to to learn and grow and change and be different from when they started. Other than just leveling up and learning new spells, you want them to be a different person. Um, so yeah, conflict. I if somebody doesn't have something that they have conflict about, I kind of nudge the player to do something with that. Like, dude, you know, just what troubles you? You know, what bothers you? What what um what gets you, what get what gets you rearing for a fight, you know? Um, All right, and here, here's uh, a little and sec- I encourage it. Here's a little secondary. What if they bite off more than they can chew? Conflict. Uh, I I hate all law enforcement. Oh, or like I said, well, I hate all I, orcs, or you know, I just you know, yeah. it's it's a race, but sometimes it's okay. Um, I, I I'm a female character. I hate all men because men are men are assholes and men are pigs. You know, how do you rein that oh, in? I, I think, especially early on, like ha- having them, giving them the chance to realize maybe they've, I'm trying to think of an example with that with, um, I've got a, a table of folks that have never found a mistake they can't find um, <laughs> in terms of like, it's not even intentional. They just always seem to make the least optimal decision for themselves as a group. Um, and, you know, I fought the law and the law won is like kind of their theme song there. Like they just, they keep, they keep committing crimes and they keep getting caught. And, uh, but it's the cop's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't steal that boat. Yes, you did. <laughs> You're on it right now. <laughs> the crew is dead. You stole that boat. Um, and the owner's unconscious and tied in the bed up in the bow. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, um, if they bite off more than they can chew, I, I actually, I try to be merciful in in a way that for, to let them learn less and like um, I'd set the similar. It was a pit fight situation. It was a, a no magic situation. You there's no there's no, it, it's it, you will be forced. You will be either um, shot down or forcibly ejected if you use magic in this room. This is a clean fight, you know, mano a mano. You're you're it's a clean fight, you know. And and players do what they do. They try to. Like, can I sneak around here? Can I do this without getting caught? Can I do this? Can I do that? And but one of the players just, I cast thaumaturgy too, and you feel three hands grab you from behind and drag you out of the room. Like before <laughs> she could even finish casting the spell, it's like this verbal component. They see you casting a spell. They've told you no magic. It's loud because it's thaumaturgy, right? Like I, I make it. I make a booming voice, and my eyes glow, and suddenly you feel yourself being dragged from the bar, <laughs> thrown into the street. And there was no painful consequences for the character it was almost like a the character gets embarrassed by what happened but it was a sort of a biting off more than it in, in another in another situation it might have been a big brawl with all the characters but in this particular case i just wanted the character to learn like you're going to get you know know your know know your environment you know and uh and to try to tone things down i'll try to put an npc in there to fix something like i had the character that warned them um say like was I not clear? Am I not? Was I not? Did I not explain the no magic rules? Because if I'm doing it wrong, I don't want it to. I don't want to get somebody else in trouble next time. <laughs> like putting it back on, on the character. It was like sort of self-insert. Like was it me? Did I not make it clear? Um, but I try not to I, I punish them for biting off more than they can chew. I try to, if I can, find a way to um, redirect make it make an appropriate response ah, <laughs> to, the, to the behavior i think would be the way i do it i have a follow-up to that now how do you handle between character conflict and player conflict at the table you know when the characters are having conflict 
do your players have also conflict at the same time? Or? I find it interesting that you asked that question. Well, I, I, Very <laughs> interesting. That's why Because we're the, both looking at you. Yeah, he's usually the <laughs> I center. Like, I feel like this might have really happened. Of, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's funny because I've had multiple situations where the players got into a conflict with each other where I had to be like, are you two really fighting or are your characters really fighting? But the best part was in one of the times it was their two sisters and their characters are going after each other. And as I'm like, you know, I did like the red card, green card, like, hold on a minute. You guys okay? And, and, and the older sister goes, no, we've been working this out for 40 years. It's, it's cool. <laughs> like, this is just, this is just 40 years of conflict working itself out of the table. And it was probably the healthiest fight they've ever had. It was, you know, you're rolling dice to kick, to kick the living hell out of each other. Um, You'll get my bill for the she, therapy session. Yeah, was, I mean, a, a lot of, I mean, I think, you know, there's enough DMs uh, on this call right now to be like, sometimes we are a therapist, right? Like sometimes that's oh, not sometimes job. a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. I brought that question up because I, I was with Coric. I mean, we were, we're good friends outside, you know, we, even when we're at the table, but during the game and I have to let Scott explain how this actually went down. Cause he does a better job than I do. We had conflict <laughs> in the game. But we handled it different. You know, it was, we were still friends out, outside the game. There was no animosity. Mm-hmm. Scott, I'll let you tell it. Well, um, <laughs> uh, Lou's character executed an unarmed civilian in cold blood, which <laughs> in self defense, which which upset Corrick's character, and consequently a. Um, a verbal dispute erupted, and then shortly after, the most pathetic fist fight I had ever witnessed <laughs> in my entire life between the two of them uh, erupted as well. In, and, in real life or the characters? No, in <laughs> characters. In, in, the characters. Uh, <laughs> between between the character, it was it was it was uh, it was extremely comical because neither one of them landed a blow on the other. And Lou's character ended up fleeing into a home pursued by Corrick's character and then leaping out a window to get to safety. And uh, it was it was wildly entertaining, as most of Lou's antics are at the gaming table. He's but, a pain in the ass to Game Master for, but he's comical as hell. Yeah, he, he's, he's entertaining. It's, um, it leaves him speechless. Yeah, but my point was with that scenarios. While we had conflict in the game, Cork and I did not have any outside the game, so I, I didn't know how, or even that applied to your tables and how you deal with it if it does happen like that. I've had I I've had times where I couldn't tell if it was actually like has it has it crossed over into real world or not, but having a quick check-in like like with the sisters like you guys okay like no no i mean our characters are going to kill each other but we're fine you know we'll, we're, we're gonna ha- we're gonna go out for a beer afterwards totally fine um i had a very similar other situation where one of the characters had a cursed uh magic item mind you the two players are best friends in real life and i actually <laughs> thought they were i thought one of them was going to get in the car because we're doing it through zoom i'm like they're gonna get in the car and go kick his ass like i don't i think like i'll be right back and like i honestly thought it was gonna go to that but they and they had it was a a, a pathetic fight it was a couple of dex dexterity based characters who neither none of them they just kept dodging like neither one of them could hit the other one and they ended up 
devolving into thunder waving each other repeatedly because they couldn't actually hit each other. Imagine it's, that. It's an identical thunder situation. Wave. Same thing. Yeah. When in doubt, thunder Cap- wave. Captain <laughs> Thunderwave over here. <laughs> that's his go-to. And then yeah. that, that, we call him Thunderloo. <laughs> then that 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 was that was um, how they resolved the conflict. <laughs> Their Thunderwave, and um, and then actually, multi- long story short, <laughs> the uh, one of the other characters has a cursed sword that she must fight to the death. Anyone that causes her harm, she gets caught in the Thunderwave. And suddenly I've got six characters fighting each other in the Underdark, one of whom can't stop. And that was when the fight with the, the two sisters happened, like, because then her sister gets involved and she's got to kill her, like, the, her sister's character. And uh, and I'm like, okay, either this is the single greatest dumb fight I've ever DM'd for, or none of them are coming back to the table next week and everybody was able to just laugh it off. Um, but the... It, I, I, I couldn't tell, I, but there was another, you speak of like the character, like doing something that the character doesn't agree with. I've had characters in character stage an intervention for their resident firebug. <laughs> We've got, we have a character who is flat out just, she, it's a pyromaniac. Like she will set anything on fire. She sets everything on fire. And at one point they're like, we need to talk about property damage and we need to talk about consequences. And then later on, she let a let a intervention for the character that didn't understand money because he kept either giving away money or refusing payment for things and it was driving the more mercenary kid so they they actually in character full on like we need to talk <laughs> sat them down like for one it's like we're going to explain property damage to you and consequences and for the other times like we're going to explain why some of us need money <laughs> and, and and they resolve these in character conversations by like sitting down in a room and like closing the door behind them and be like, let's talk about your negative impact on the group and what you're having for our own. Could, you, could you do us a health. favor and send the transcript of the property damage speech so we can give it to I, Lou? Or maybe we can set up I, a meeting with them. And yeah. Lou. Yeah. Have, you know, just, I'll have, <laughs> I'll have the ones that talk to the firebug sit down with Lou's character. And, 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 you get to and, have and, like and a we say Lou because it's easier than trying to just individually go through all his characters <laughs> yeah. and do exactly the same thing. So we just go straight to, straight to the source. <laughs> You break the break the fourth wall and go right to the player. Yes, we, yes. We, we got to have a conversation. The player characters are going to have an intervention with <laughs> with the player. <laughs> All right, it's not so, funny. Let, let's move on to funny. the next one. Motivation. I mean, how important is motivation when you're building your backstory? And we all got to be there for a reason. Yeah. Uh, like that's uh, having a motivation. I think is supremely important. How dramatic that that motivation is can be really um flexible though like I, I was actually thinking about this just before the call i'm like you know you can have the mad martigan motivation i want to get out of this cage you know like yep, that's yep. his whole motivation i would like to get out of this cage i will take care of the baby you know like that's, <laughs> that's, that's, it, it doesn't have to be some grand i'm trying to slay a dragon or rescue a princess or something like that sometimes you just want to get out of the cage um but then it's great to have a character who wants to change the world and that's their motivation. And that, um, can lead to other things. I have, uh, actually the, the fire starter actually of all characters has, um, uh, the goal of killing her father. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> well, which, keep it in the family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, my goal is to find my Efridi father and kill him. And I'm like, I can build an entire story arc around that one piece of motivation. Like, thank you for that. Because yep. I, I like, I'm going to go out. I'm going to hand paint a mini to be her father on the battlefield. I'm going to create a whole scenario where she has to get him out of a, um, a ring, out of the the genie, the uh, fire uh, pretty ring that the um, whatever it's called in the the DMG. Um, I can create a motivation for you know how she, how does she get him out so she can face him on the material plane. Um, and all of that was like, what's your motivation? I'm going to kill my dad. Like, okay, <laughs> we can work with that. <laughs> One um, sentence that works. <laughs> yeah. Says and a lot. Meanwhile, meanwhile, her, her husband plays the character. Her husband plays, uh, it's the longest con I've ever seen in a game. <laughs> um, he's playing a very small tabaxi that pretends he's a house cat. And he went <laughs> eight, eight, 18 months without saying anything in character. He says he speaks at the table, but he never, yeah. he never broke character. It took him 18 months to slip and say something out loud uh, in, in, that the other people could understand. And I'm like, it's this great long con, but his, his character motivation is I'm with her. <laughs> like that's, that's it. He's, he's, that's that, that it, it, he's with, he's with the firebug like that. I'm with her. And that's, and that's, plenty of motivation as long as she's got motivation so they can kind of all you know ride together with that i i have trouble if somebody has no motivation to be at the table as a character like what is what's your purpose for being here you know like even if it is just i'm here to help um or it can be i'm here to save the world or i'm here to destroy the world you know <laughs> um but yeah they, they gotta have some reason to be there otherwise it's um even if it's money you know you can be hand solo i'm just here to make a buck yeah. you know that that's that's a perfectly reasonable motivation um, although it's funny because characters change over time. We have, we have this mercenary character, um, one of the sisters actually. And really it's, it started off like, what's your motivation? Money. Okay, cool. You're a mercenary. But the longer her characters with the group, the more the motivation seems to be, and I'm going to keep these dumbasses alive. Like, and that becomes another motivation or I'm going to, um, I guess I'm a hero now, <laughs> you know, like, and, and, and that happens naturally over time. You just need, you need a motivation to start. And then that motivation can change and shift as things are going. Uh, the um, joys of development. <laughs> yeah. It's, yep. it's nice to see that growth in, mm -hmm. in player characters. Yeah. If, if somebody comes to the table with no motivation for why their character is there, I don't, I, I need a little something as a DM just because I need something to, cause I, I'm building the world for them. You know, like it's, uh, it, it, it I might be the one building the sandbox, but it's for them to play in. So I, tell me why you came to play. Um, so I don't ask for a ton of backstory motivation, but, you know, and, you know, did, did you grow up poor and you, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to live the same life as your parents. Did you, were your parents adventurous who never came home again? Are you trying to, was your dad really good at adventuring and you're trying to show him up? Like, tell me something, give me a reason to be there. Or, you know, um, or it's as simple as, you know, I'm the last kid in the family. I I'm not going to inherit anything. I guess I'll go hit the road and see what comes up. We have motivation, right? It's real people. <laughs> you know, like what's, what's a, what's a, we all have backstories. So like just treat your character with it. And not everybody's backstory in real life is all that interesting either. So sometimes you can have a pretty basic backstory and it's totally, totally workable. So yeah, I think backstory is super important, but how, how grand it is can be very uh, open to interpretation.
And uh, on the topic of motivation, we're going to um, take a break here so we can remove all combustibles from <laughs> Lou's immediate area. And uh, maybe we'll let him out of the cage. Not funny. Let's talk about this week's sponsor. Drip It is an online gaming magazine that focuses on the gamer, not just the games. Join the discussion of Dungeons and Dragons and other tabletop role-playing games, retro gaming, classic gaming, and all those great games that don't get enough attention. Drip It calls itself an inclusive gaming roundtable. Yes, just like King Arthur's Knights of the Roundtable. Regardless of who you are or what you're playing, you are equally deserving of the respect owed to all who do battle in the world of gaming. Check them out at DripIt.com. That's D-R-I-P-P-I-T.com. And we're back. Yes, all the combustibles have been moved out of Lou's reach. We even watered down his drink just to be careful. And we put corks on his fork so he wouldn't put his eye out or anybody else's. So <laughs> we are uh, we are all set. So tell me, family, does family fit in or, or does it not? I know some DMs will be like, ooh, you have a wife and children. It's only a matter of time before I kill them. Um, if you put them, basically what I say is anything you put in your backstory, I'm going to like, I, I, I have permission to use, <laughs> you know, if you, if you, if it's there, I, uh, I try to get a read on what the player wants. Like, are are they there to cause conflict? Are they there because they are the conflict? Are they there just for flavor? Like, you know, is there someone to go home to? Um, so if it's there and I think the player wants to use it for conflict, like there was, we had um, uh, a player whose family was corrupted by Baphomet. His, fa- his whole family turns, turns out was, was uh, felt to this Baphomet cult. But I could tell that that was the player put, created this family in order to enable future storytelling about them, and I was happy to oblige, you know. <laughs> um, but I try to I try to figure out what they're looking for from it. Actually, very few characters that I'm dealing with actually have a significant family story. They might know who or what they came from, but not so much that you know. It's kind of kind of see how much they lay and lay down on the table for you to mess with versus you know well you know i grew up over there um in which case okay so you're not really too interested in messing with your backstory but if, if there's a lot of details like i have a younger brother that i don't like and you know i have you know deep-seated issues with my you know with my father i'm like okay so that conflict will come up somehow you know if, if, if it's there um so Family can be kind of a touchy thing. I don't want to go killing off somebody's mom and dad in game unless I know, unless I know they want, they're okay with it. Um, and that's a good conversation to have with the player, I think, uh, at the start. You know, like, what's the purpose of having the family there? Um, do you want them involved? Is it is it something that you want to be part of the plot? Or is it just more... Because a lot of... Sometimes backstory can be there for color and flavor as opposed to being there for gameplay or for, for story arcs. So um, that's a good session zero thing too. Like, are they, are they okay? Is it okay if I mess with them? I won't tell you how, you know, um, <laughs> is it okay if I mess with your children that you've got at home in terms of like their safety versus dragons. Like, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, um, yeah, or I, I don't uh, ask just do it. Yeah. if it's in the backstory. How much does it piss you off if they when they mm-hmm. come to the table? Oh, I'm an orphan. You know, 
what is that like 80 percent of players are orphans, i freaking I hate that shit <laughs> <laughs> i throw it back so, at him going I, rewrite <laughs> give me something else i that doesn't bother me so much because i think of like what the world was like in medieval times and like how many orphans there actually were like you know statistically <laughs> not a reasonable <laughs> thing for, for, you know oh my parents died in the plague mine too you know it was just you know not an unreasonable thing for a medieval setting so you know if you're living in a land where like there are regular like goblin raids there's a moderate chance that you lost your whole family to a burning house during goblin raid. you know so um that doesn't bother me too much if they have something else give me something to work with i mean just like hey i'm an orphan and now i'm a fighter okay i need more than that um and also if they're not I, 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 it's funny i think i think of uh, the family question of like we play this game to escape our real lives. <laughs> this is not my case. I love my family, but some of us don't want to think about family when we play the game. <laughs> you know, like maybe the last <laughs> thing they want to do is think about parents and kids because that's or, or or extended family because it's something that they're trying to escape. So I actually don't. You know, if if their if their if their wish fulfillment for their character isn't to be he man, but to just not have a family to be annoyed at. Okay, we can work with that. We can work with that. Tell me more about your character otherwise. So, which, which is actually, why Scott, for, none of Scott's characters have ever been married. Or have, because, <laughs> yeah, none of them will ever have ex-wives. <laughs> I, I will say my favorite, like, family backstory is if a character has at least one ex that they have um, awkward situations with, that I'll mess with. Like, oh, oh you've, got, you've, you've, got, you've got an ex-spouse that you don't get along with? <laughs> you're, you're running into them in the next big city you get to. Um, yeah, like that sounds familiar. Now you're on my page. <laughs> so some players will write large backstories. As a mm. DM, can there be too much backstory for you? Um, there can be too much backstory for me to use, especially because, and I, I, my smallest group is six players. So it can be overwhelming for me. Like it's it's more of a how much can I parse out? Um, it, it's, the the best quote I've ever heard. And I wish I could find the recording. I was listening to an interview with uh, Jerry Holkins from Penny Arcade does acquisitions incorporated, and one of his players for their podcast he wrote a three he literally wrote a novel as his backstory. And it was his first time playing the game, and he didn't know any of the ins and outs, and he just wrote a novel as his backstory, and um like two years into playing the game, they're being interviewed and they're talking about, you know, so how much backstory did you know about your characters? And Jerry says, well, you know, so-and-so had, you know, this much. And, so -and, -so, and, and, um, and Ryan wrote 300 pages, which I think you now know Ryan was rude. <laughs> was, was rude. <laughs> and it was the, the pause, It was which I think you now understand was rude. <laughs> you know? um, I... What I try to tell my players is you're not writing the novel of what happened beforehand. You're writing the novel of what happens to you in the game. You know, so start with the prologue, right? Write a prologue um, because you're about to tell the story. There's only so much that's going to happen. Uh, there's only so much that can, that could have happened to a level one character before you get there. Cause we're telling it's that falls into, I also, I, I have a lot of players that try to get other people to win the wars for them in a lot of ways. I try to rein in, npcs to fight and i'm like yeah but it's your story man yeah. you know it's your i want you to be the hero i don't want these you know pawns to be the hero of the story you're the it's your story to tell and in terms of backstory like the backstory should be the beginning 
and the real story about your character should happen at the table. Um, and that's what I try to encourage them to do because you, and you, you could write, you know, Oliver Twist, I was born, I grew up, um, <laughs> and, you know, tell his whole story from age three to age 10. Um, and then, he, and then suddenly he became a level one rogue. But my encouragement to players is write, write enough to get you to the start of the novel you're about to write, as opposed to writing the novel about what happened to you beforehand. Especially because, you know, you could get shanked by a kobold in the first session, and then suddenly the end. <laughs> you written the entire backstory for a character that got killed by a four-hit-point kobold. That is very um, true. So, you know, so, I mean, I work really hard not to kill the level one characters. I try to let them at least get to level three, so it hurts more. But um, <laughs> they... <laughs> want to make sure they're attached first. See, yeah, he is on my sure. page. <laughs> I want them. I want them to feel. I want them to feel raised, not disappointment when the character dies. Um, but, but, but but that's that's sort of the thing. Like I, it's we're here to tell a story together, um, and that's the other thing. We're telling the story together as a, as a group of players in the DM. So, you know. You can write a novel. Or you can you can play D and D together. It, it, they don't necessarily. There's they're two different art forms, and they're both mm -hmm. two viable art forms. I do both. <laughs> so, but tell tell enough to begin the story, and um, and then get ready to tell more because you get hopefully twenty levels of adventures to to engage in with your friends and 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 tell the story that's yet to happen. Um, because there is that, the, the, especially if you've got a really great idea. Okay, so this is what happened. This is what happened. Here's my entire family lineage back 300 years. Like, okay, save that. We might need that later. You know, especially, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can, I can, I can mess with a 300 year family lineage too. You know, there could be a vampire in there. You know, you want to meet your great grandfather? <laughs> we can make that happen. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I really try to encourage them to focus on the now for their character. Um, and not get too bogged down. You need you need some backstory, but you don't want to have so much backstory that you lose the present. There you go. So, all right. What about backstory fitting into the campaign? You know, obviously you want to, I mean, we've touched on this a few times already on some of the other topics. Mm -hmm. What if they throw you one that just doesn't fit? That, I try to be as flexible with the campaign setting as I can. If it's something that, just really is out of left field. Like we're talking like I'm in, I, I came out of a like pod from Krypton. Um, you know, and I landed in a field and a couple of farmers, peasants raised me. I like, okay, let me get to have a conversation about this particular backstory. Um, I, I will try to nudge them or I will tell them like, I'll try to meet them halfway if it's something that doesn't fit in the campaign. You know, like if, uh, like, like I bring up the Dragonborn thing, I'm like, I have no idea what they are in this world. I didn't really care to put them in the world, but if you really want them to be one, let me, I've left enough wiggle room in my campaign setting that I can make that happen. I try not to be, I have the same advice for folks that are building their first um, homebrew campaign for the first time too. It's like, stuff's going to change on you. <laughs> you you got to be prepared for improvisation guys. Like you can't like, don't don't um in my my tactic for that is that it, uh what do they call it? the video game the fog of war like yep. you can only see so much for, and i try to structure the campaign like that so that i have enough i can brush away some fog like oh oh that's where the rock gnomes are okay so you want to be you're, you're you're okay now now we can we can work on your backstory over there and i try to leave myself enough room there if it, it, i 
I, I will very guiltily, if it really doesn't fit in the campaign setting, I, like, there was some, I had a player that really wanted to play a Kalistar from the Eberron setting, yep. um, which is so Eberron. It's like, there's a lot of stuff in that, like, if somebody, if, some, if, if this player had come to me and said, I want to be a Warforge, I'm like, okay, we're not going to call it a Warforge, but I will figure out magic robots for you. <laughs> I will find a way to put magic robots in this world. It just might, we won't call it a Warforge because that's Eberron. But the, the Kalistar are so very specific to that setting. I'm like, I have no idea how to build this in this world. I'm like, what can, what are you trying to get from that character or that species that we can find that will fit in the world? And I, I now, and I work with her. Like very specifically, I'm like, what, 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 what are your hopes for this character? And let's find something that will work in the setting that will also make you happy as a player. Um, and that's, uh, and that was also on me by saying, like, because I didn't remember they were in the book. And I'm like, <laughs> I like, and, and Ebron, I, I think Ebron's rad. Like, I like Warforged. I like Shifters. You know, sure. What else is in there? Go ahead. It, it, it's a, just let me know if you pick anything weird. I want to be this thing. I forgot those were in there, and I have no idea how to put them in the campaign. Oh, no, no, no. I, I screwed up. I screwed up. This is on now, me. Now, was that a new that player was, or an experienced player? Uh, this, was, this was her second character. So she uh, had played re- a really, a really well-designed, really well-thought-out um, warlock, and this was and had gone kind of did a deep dive. Like, what is this other cool stuff that I could be in my as my second character? And I felt super guilty about not, uh, not about being like, whoa, 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 I, I, I can't that's just a whole that's a, that's a whole level of complexity that i haven't designed for the world yet and i don't know where to put it shake the dice um, choose again <laughs> yeah 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 and, and like there's there's like 27 other species can you be something else please anything else <laughs> i really did have to kind of sit down and be like I, I don't know how to i don't know how to build this into the world could i talk you into doing something else but it was also it wasn't just a flat no it was like a and 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 that was the case where had she presented a case for really strongly wanting it for X reason. I'm like, okay, how can we tailor this to this world? Like, what can we create from scratch that will use the game mechanics so I don't have to rewrite the rules? <laughs> you know, yeah. like what are their abilities? Okay, how do we reskin that? I love reskinning things into campaigns too. Like it's yeah. uh, it's balanced. It's in a published publication for a reason. You know, they tested the hell out of it. It works. It's just so you just rename stuff to fit with your world. Um, that was just so weird that I had to be like, I got to say a no to that because I don't know how to, I don't know how to do like parasitic ethereal creatures living inside beautiful humanoids. I'm, eh, it's really much for me. <laughs> this is low magic setting, guys. Low magic setting. Um, oh my God, you so, have heartworms. <laughs> yeah. What do I do? <laughs> you've, got, you've got a magic tapeworm. Um, but... but that's been that's only happened to me one time where it was like I just had to kind of say a no. There's other times when I'm like, eh, I don't. Uh, we'll figure something out, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll um and and because it is, I, I consider DMing a collaborative thing too. I don't. It's not. I build the framework and I I, I try to engage, uh, engage them in a way that they can fill in. Um, they can bring their own Legos to the to the to the party. You know what I mean? There so you perfect. And that's our discussion about player backstories with author Matthew Fillion. If you are interested in reading any of Matt's books, if you have a young adult in your life, or if you're just an adult that likes a good story like myself, head on over to MatthewFillion.com. That's MatthewFillion.com to peruse his library of titles, including the Indestructibles series, Echo in the Sea, and the Dungeon Crawler series. 
Once again, that's MatthewFillion.com. And that's Developing a Character Backstory. See you next week in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.